Hello, I'm Kelsey Rover. I'll be filling in for Kate Meisner as the unofficial host of the TrustCast for the remainder of 2021. As Kate would say, welcome back to the TrustCast and the Edelman podcast. This week marks the beginning of Hispanic Heritage Month in the U.S. As companies across the country are preparing to celebrate their Latinx consumers and employees, we wanted to take a closer look at this audience to better understand their current motivations and mindset. In order to do that, we compiled a fresh data analysis, isolating the Latinx data from five previous trust barometer reports. Now live on Edelman.com, the analysis reveals an engaged, influential, outspoken, and deeply concerned Hispanic market. To explore these dynamics further, Edelman's SVP of Brand and Multicultural Communications, Jocasta Shames, spoke with Tatiana Diaz, Editor-in-Chief of Romezcla. Romezcla is on the front lines of Latinx culture and identity, covering the issues that matter most to the community. Take a listen. Hi there, I'm Jocasta Shames, Senior Vice President of Brand and Multicultural Communications at Edelman, and you're listening to the TrustCast, an Edelman podcast. This week, we're excited to kick off the start of Hispanic Heritage Month by unpacking the topics and trends that are really driving Hispanic culture and identity in 2021 and beyond. To talk about this, I'm pleased to be joined by Tatiana Diaz, Editor-in-Chief of Remezcla, an American media company focusing on the Latinx cultural sphere. Since its founding in 2006, Remezcla has been sharing in-depth stories about new Latin music, sports, film, food, and cultural events topics that often go unreported by traditional outlets. Remezcla's mission is to put emerging Latin culture on the map the right way. Today, the brand has become the go-to on the pole source to discover the people, places, and issues driving Latinx culture. Tatiana joined Remezcla this June after previously working for Refinery29 and Time Inc. Tatiana, I am so excited to be with you today. Thank you for coming on and welcome. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. This is going to be a wonderful conversation. Obviously, celebrando el día el mes de la hispanidad, Hispanic Heritage Month. So excited to have this conversation. Um, talking a little bit about Remezcla, you know, it really is the first premium digital publication that was designed for young U.S. Latinos. Um, a first of its, you know, first of its kind. Can you tell us a bit about why the founders really focused on this demographic um, and what their goal was when they launched the publication? It was it was really built out of this missing space in the media industry. When you looked at who was talking to our communities, it was Univision, Telemundo, People en Español, Hola. And they weren't necessarily talking to the younger demographic. You know, a lot of the younger demographic has these first generation, uh, predominantly English speaking individuals who weren't watching, you know, telenovelas who weren't up to these telenovela stars and things going on in these cultures, and they weren't necessarily absorbing their content in Spanish. So there really was this lack of space in regards to speaking to young Latine audiences. And they jumped on that early on, you know, 2006, nobody was really thinking about that the way that the media landscape and even just companies and brands and just everything is thinking about it now. Um, you know, people weren't celebrating Hispanic Heritage Month in 2006 the way that they are now, or you know, aiming to brand to 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 these audiences. So, yeah, I think they were very ahead of their time, and they definitely, you know, we've definitely served as a north star when it comes to the media landscape. But I think it was really just built off of this need um, 
that was missing. And I think the goal was to just build something real, something authentic. You know, what's so special about Hemezcla is from top to bottom, everybody involved is Latine. You know, everyone um, is a part of these communities and can speak authentically to it. So you'll see so many times that people from, there's just like a certain part or just a part of the brand that's like multicultural, right? And it's great. And I think, you know, we need to see more of that. But what I think is so, so amazing about Hemezcla is that from every angle and everybody involved, it's a Latina individual. That's awesome. Yeah, I think because there's so many sides, right, of how the community shows up. Yeah. Um, one thing is the founders really built it around what they wanted to see, what what they were missing what are some of the issues that young Latinos today are most interested, concerned about that you and your team are are digging into and covering? Yeah, it's so interesting because especially after what this year has involved and um, how audiences change with time, um, you'll see that the things that people are interested in can change in the media industry. You know, I've been in the media industry for over a decade now, and it's so interesting to see how much in the things have changed in regards to even the things that they want to see on television, the news they want to, you know, take in the things that they care about. And so right now you're seeing people are very, very interested in the, the ways that they were affected by the pandemic. So fair wages, job opportunities, um, things of the, that sort are, and also building their community. I have to stress that because people want to see the, the communities be what they were before the pandemic. You know, so many businesses, especially uh, black and brown businesses were affected by the pandemic. So, you know, passing on that spotlight, rebuilding their communities is something that we see that is so important to young Latine um, individuals and, and something that they're really passionate and want to see covered. But they're also, what I love is that they it's they're interested in just about anything from politics, entertainment, to, you know, weed culture, to, you know, beauty brands, to how to be more eco-friendly, to indigenous representation. There's just nothing that you can't cover that they're not interested in. And I love how multiverse, how multifaceted um, our communities are and the interests that they hold. For sure. And I think part of that, one of the things that um, has made headlines from the census, so much has made headlines from the census, but um, the fact that so many Latinos, um, 23%, almost a quarter of all Latinos um, identify as multiracial, um, something that we sort of as Dominicans um, know a lot about. Um, how, do, how does that really, how do you think that will change how media in general and you guys in particular, your organization, um, will sort of help dimensionalize this reality that we've all, part, all of us who are part of the community have always known? It will show just how much of a monolith we are not. We heard that word so much during the presidential election. You know, Latino populations are not a monolith. But, you know, Latine-focused publications and media companies, especially for the younger demographics, have been yelling that from the rooftops for a very long time. And I think now more than ever, especially with surveys like this, just show it's, it's just so important because it really will give nuance to Latina communities, and it will just show how different and diverse we are. You know, we have different languages, we have different races, we have different backgrounds, different economic upbringings, you know, different foods, 
everyone just assumes that we all eat one food and speak one language and have, you know, we have different slang, different music. So it's just going to show just how diverse these communities are. And I think, you know, census results like this are very important because it just adds nuance to Latinidad. And I think that before this year or the year before wasn't something that people were really thinking of. It was just this kind of blank term Latino. Latinidad was just a blank term that didn't really allow for layers um, of nuance. And now we're seeing that there's just so much more to this identity um, and to these communities that we're finally getting to see. And I think that's really going to lead the way and change the way that we look and talk about Latinidad. That's great. I think it's really interesting, right? We have a community of um, over more than 60 million. 62.1 is the yeah. very low estimate. <clears throat> we anticipate that that number will more likely, we'll learn pretty quickly that the number is actually higher than that. Um, because we, we anticipate that although we had growth in many parts of the country, that we're having still an undercount in the census for Latinos. Um, interesting, right? We don't really think about uh, Gen Z or boomers or any other large large uh, segment of the population as sort of monolithic as as a sort of having one way that you can be a part of that community or that generation. Um, so I think it's a really wonderful thing for myself to see um, that companies and media are starting to dimensionalize us um, beyond our identity um, and start to bring in more more of that. And that really brings us to the next thing. Really, as a communications firm. We are regularly advising our clients on how to develop authentic uh, communications, knowing that this is a very purpose-driven community. It's a community that really wants, as you were saying, to build the community back, to really give back to their own, to, to really invest in themselves and in their families. Um, what are some brands, what are some things um, companies are doing that you've seen um, that you really think are really connecting and genuinely um, really getting it? Yeah, it's those companies that are, you know, listening at the end of the day. It's the companies that are having the conversations that are including the representation. You Sometimes you'll see somebody include one brown person and think that they did the job or they'll translate documents or, you know, copy or marketing text into Spanish and think that's it. Like we did the work, we represented these communities. What do these communities care about? What are they saying in the moment? And that's why I think it's so important to listen. Um, and it's those two things, essentially, listening and then representation, um, making sure that you have different communities represented. Um, you know, there's, as we've been saying, there's just so much diversity within Latinidad and thinking that you check the box by having one person there um, to speak for 33 different countries and so many different backgrounds. One of my favorite things to tell people is, you know, as a Dominican who grew up in New York, my experience is so much different than a Cubana from Miami, from uh, Ecuadorian in LA, from a Mexican in Texas. You know, all our experiences are so different, but they try to bunk us all together. And you see that so much in regards to marketing and brands and advertisements in the media industry. And it's about time that we see different of our experiences, different of our identities, um, be celebrated and be a part of the conversation um, versus just having one person. Um, and that's why I love, love what I've been able, you know, be able to build these spaces within these companies that 
has so many of us coming in or so many of our voices. Cause I just love passing the mic because me as a Dominican who grew up in New York can't speak for all these different parts of the community. Um, I can't just rely on my voice. I know how important it is to pass the mic to different individuals within these communities. And I think that brands and companies, everyone just needs to look at it that way. Um, and not just think that they've done the work by doing the bare minimum. That's great. One of the articles um, that I recently read on Remezcla was about Asian Latinas um, yeah. and the Asian uh, Latine experience. Um, and, you know, I think that's one of those really interesting um, pieces that a lot of times they people will see it as a those things, you know, do those things go together? But we are incredibly diverse and we have you know, we have a really rich um, history of mingling different cultures and reimagining what that looks like um, in terms of our experience, right? You, if you are, I was born on the island, I was born in the Dominican Republic, but I grew up in Harlem. So I have a very, I, you know, I'm not a New Yorker because I'm not Puerto Rican, but I have a very New York <laughs> Caribbean experience versus um, friends who um, were born there and live longer. So I do think that those are all important pieces. And Interesting, um, for a long time, I will say, marketers tried to lean in hard um, into our commonalities because we have them, right? There are things that are, yeah. are, are pieces of us that really connect across country of origin and um, generation and language. Um, and I think that that, but it was done in a way that sort of really um, one dimensionalized, put us into one one dimension and put us into one space. Um, if you were a woman, you were a mom, you were, you know, this sort of, you were in one box. If you were a man, you were handy and you did this kind of, a, this kind of work. And I think um, now what we're realizing is as the population, as we're realizing that our growth really has come from births, our growth has come from um, younger um, folks, that there is a, need to reconnect with our identities, um, especially for Gen Z and millennials, right? This reconnection with the identities and reimagination of what that means to be, you know, Dominican-American, to be Mexican-American, or to be um, to be Latina in, in the U.S. And I think that is one thing that we would tell our clients to really learn and to really understand who the key client, who the key consumer of that product or service is, because I think then you will understand how to have a richer conversation mm -hmm. that then really will connect with a lot of folks. Um, but you can, you can still tell it from an individual's perspective. And I think um, hearing stories is really what connects everyone. Um, and we're rooting for each other. So yeah. <laughs> there's no getting it right. There's a lot there. I'm just as happy to see a Mexican on, you know, a Mexican represented beautifully. Yes. As I am to see someone like me. So I think that that's um, a piece of it that I think hopefully more and more um, marketers and brands will will connect and media as well. Mm -hmm. Agreed. And you know, one of the really interesting parts about how for a long time, the community really sort of has either been engaged in this conversation from by some by some brands and some companies really deeply have deep connections go you know long long time, and then for others, they've sort of been um, sitting on the sidelines or or have began the conversations but get a little bit nervous when we start to talk about. 33 countries, we're different if we're Caribbean versus if we're South American, if we're Mexican. You know, as we think about that, right, it's weird, we're, we're um, 
we are, you know, fully dimensional of human beings that um, deserve in, deserve interest and, and research and, and um, conversations. But I also think that one of the really interesting things about this community is that we're interested in so much. There is so much, um, you know, our research shows that Latinos and, and just like African-Americans are incredibly engaged amplifiers. Um, they're, they see themselves as leaders, they're socially connected, they're sharing information, they're making sure their opinions are being shared and heard and known. Um, but so many folks are not um, engaging them and sharing their news with them in a way that's going to resonate and missing out on this incredibly powerful um, voice that can really, you know, drive their message. Yeah, I think they're very much sleeping on these communities. I always told people, my mom was like a mini, has always been like a mini influencer. And she always shares on her stories herself, her favorite cream, um, her favorite beauty products. And our abuelitas were always like going around telling people, like recommending they would pack on products. Um, so it's just like, when we think about how, how much of our community, we're like sharers. Like we love to share information. We love to share our favorite, you know, remedies and products and they always be like I me trajeron algo de ahí and it like from this country and it was the best moisturizer I ever used it's actually available here I just I remember learning so much in regards to certain industries from my grandma and my mother um and so many different products and so many different like just music food so many things that are part of my daily life and I think that really was honestly what piqued my interest because I started in this industry as a beauty writer, a fashion and beauty assistant, became a beauty writer at Refinery29. And it was from this love of sharing. Um, I used to love sharing tips, used to love sharing, you know, product recommendations. And so many people sleep on the fact that this is ingrained in Latina communities and just our cultures um, that we just, we all love sharing. If you go, <laughs> if you go and it's, and it's, cross-generational which is so interesting and I think such a missed opportunity as you as you said like no no one's really hitting on that and not speaking to them which is like why not <laughs> I know I'm 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 incredibly amazed by um just the the ability of information to just connect um, I'm always like learning. My mom is always on it. She's always telling me the latest. I'm always like Googling and she's usually right. She's on it. She's, yep. she has the breaking news. Um, and she's not shared it just with me. She has her phone tree. So it's really interesting, but agreed. It's, it's a shared then. It's like the next generation's doing the same thing, passing it on. Um, so definitely, um, is something that we talk a lot about is sort of leveraging this amazing network of folks who have yep. built in credibility and trust with their network. Um, and yep. they can really, they can sort of get you to the next level because they already, if they've tried it, they have a group of people that believe them and they're going to say, okay, if, if Tatiana says this works, I'm going to give it a try. It may not work for me, but I'm going to try it anyway. Um, and yep. definitely early adopters for sure. If you tell one person, just trust one Latina person, it trusts me that 15 people in a WhatsApp group know what they just recommended. <laughs> oh my God. Uh, WhatsApp groups are, are for sure. Um, I have to meet a few of them from my family. Oh yeah. 
I think that's, we're getting to a little bit of like the cultural pieces, right? So we're celebrating Hispanic Heritage Month. Um, and for those listeners who don't know, um, it's a month that we celebrate between September 15th and October 15th. Um, it was initially a week celebration that launched um, with President Nixon. And, and it was centered around some Central American um, uh, Independence Days. And now we've extended it for the full month. So it goes to the middle of October. Um you all do an amazing job at Hemescla about really highlighting up-and-coming artists, uh, showcasing folks who are just doing tremendous work, whether it's in music, in television, you know, in movies, um, in the community. How do you how do you work around finding those folks? I think a lot of times, um, most you know, if I did a little bit of research, and a lot of times you find the 19 best activists, and and they're wonderful, amazing activists, but they were folks who were you know. Um, active in the 60s and, and necessarily don't always showcase the folks who are doing the work today. And we know that there's so many uh, Latina that are out there and, and working and, you know, building careers in the arts and other um, other sectors. How do you all stay on top of finding that next um, star or a person who's making a difference? So we're, we really have our eyes on, you know, what people are talking about. You know, for us, it's also what I stressed earlier about our staff and just the diversity within, I think really what is what helps us. Um, you know, we have so many different cultures represented within our staff that allows us, and we're, we're all over. So we have folks in Miami, folks in Texas, some in Mexico, some in New York, some in LA. And so having that has really been an advantage for us in regards to having our eyes and ears open to what people are talking about in these different uh, towns and neighborhoods and, you know, someone might be popping off in Miami that I, you know, I just moved to Miami this year that I'm able to listen to, but also listening to my friends in New York on an artist that's exciting them. Um, but I think the power of social media has also been really, really helpful in regards to just hearing what people are starting to pick up on an artist that might be exciting them. Um, but for us, it's, it's really looking because we also don't want to blindly celebrate um, so we also make sure to do our research and see, you know, how is this person changing their industry? What are they doing differently? Um, how are they contributing? Are they making an impact? So for us, it's on top of, you know, keeping our eye on the ball and making sure that we're, we have our eyes and ears open to emerging talent. It's also doing the research afterwards to make sure that we're giving the platform to the correct folks and making sure that we're not just blindly celebrating anyone for just being Latina. That's that's amazing. Yes, I think doing the work to understand what beyond the the art or the work, um, what else that they're bringing. Um, beyond reading your amazing publication, um, which everyone should do, what are some things you would recommend, or that you, um, or some things that you'll be sharing over the next month in terms of how to learn more, educate, you know, for our listeners to educate themselves in the community, but also participate and think about how they can be um, an ally and engage in a meaningful way. Yeah, there's so many resources out there. There are folks who are educating. There's people holding workshops. I think it's, it's, there's Dash Harris. If, and you, no one follows her, I suggest everyone go follow her. She holds incredible, incredible workshops on Afro Latinidad and just the history of Black Latinidad. And, you know, just those things are, exist in different schools, different countries, different states. Um, and just take the courses. It's available to everyone. There's so much available on the internet, so many books available. Um, I just never stop learning. I'm Latina myself. 
And I never act like I know it all. I can learn something new the next day and the next day after that. And I know how ever evolving our identities are. So for me, it's important to continue to learn, to listen, um, and to educate myself. You know, there's things that I'm not so familiar with in regards to different cultures, different languages that I allow myself to be open to that. And I think people need to be open to learning more and, and not believing that they know everything when it comes to Latinidad, even if they're within these communities. Um, there's just so much more to learn. And I think having those conversations afterwards is also really important because um, it's great to just get different opinions um, and, and get a sense of what other people feel in regards to these important topics. Like, you know, hearing from an Asian Latina person themselves about their identity uh, versus just reading about it and talking to them is something that's that's what I mean about like, you know, having those conversations afterwards and hearing from them about their experiences or asking questions. Um, but I think the most important step is doing the research because no one should just be educating you um, <laughs> uh, for free. Um, so I think doing that research and doing the work and, and, and I know that it sounds like a lot because people hear research and then they don't want to speak to Latina communities because they're like, oh, we don't want to do the work. But it's ultimately so much more rewarding. Um, you know, when they say like, my mom always used to be like, si no lo hacer bien, no lo haga. Like, just don't do it at all. And it's the same thing that I, I, I preach to people. Like, if you're going to do it, do it right. And that does require more work. But ultimately, the more work is rewarding. And so, you know, doing the research, uh, while it might seem like, oh, we don't want to do that. So let's just avoid this community. Forget, forget Latinos. Um, that just ultimately hurts you more than it helps you. So yeah, I just wanted to stress that because I, you say research and people are like, oh, you're here. Latinos go again with the research. But I just think it's so important to like, to do it because any and every community, anyone you're speaking to, and it's not just Latinos, everyone, I think we should all be learning and willing to learn. Um, that's, that's, that's a constant, like we're learning every day. And I think when it comes to these communities, we should be willing to learn and continue to have these conversations. Yes, 100% agree. And I also, I'm, in, I'm just enthralled by, I have, I have a, I have Gen Z kids. So I'm just in, you know, in awe of them and just how, um, how much they are willing, they are very comfortable demanding with things that I, I wish we would have felt, I would have felt comfortable growing up in my, you know, Gen X or generation um, in New York, feeling comfortable having the same demands. But I think that a lot of it is is so powerful to see that generation sort of take on their identity mm-hmm. and own it and and sort of be very proud, but doing it in a way that that really sort of says, this is who I am. You have to sort of embrace it or not, but this is not going to change. So I think that that's a big difference, I think, to so the community of my mom and myself, mm-hmm. um, which are a little older in terms of we felt this pressure um, in terms of want needing to sort of walk away from it. But in reality, it's such a part of who we are that we could never walk away from our culture. And I think what we're realizing now is the most important part of who we are. Um, it makes us so much more fun. And um, there is a lot to to be earned and to be rewarded with if you can if you can sort of do the work. Um, Last, the last question I have for you, and I want to thank you for your time, is really, you've been in this role, you know, you've been in, in media for over a decade, as you said, you've been in the role, this role just a few months, you moved, you made a move um, as well. What have you been most proud of since you've joined? And, and really, what are you thinking about as you're looking forward to 
The next phase of this amazing forward-thinking publication, um, how do you think about that? Do you think about that or do you sort of just take it um, day by day and, th- and, and work with your team? Well, the moment that I, I will say what I've been most excited about is growing the team. Um, in the last few weeks, we've had uh, five or more hires and it's been incredible to be able to just hire from my communities. Like I'm like, yes, let's give the jobs. <laughs> um, but to be able to to connect with folks and, and have them join, you know, my vision, join her MISCLA's mission and vision is incredible. Um, and, you know, so many, so many of the people that are joining and even myself, we are so aligned and so excited about what her MISCLA is in the media landscape. And that to me is what I'm excited to continue to build. And, you know, we're most, all of the higher recent hires are women. And I think that's going to be incredible as well as, as we lend our voice to what it means to be a young Latina person um, now. So for, for me, we're taking it day by day, but we are, you know, we, we're, we're going to continue to do what Hermescla has done in, you know, having conversations that no one else is having in spotlighting emerging artists and highlighting the ones who are more mainstream, but allowing ourselves to also, you know, spotlight the ones who no one else is talking about um, early on. And I think it's incredible that we really have built an authority in that and that we're going to continue to do that. Um, But also just like the modern conversations that no one's covering, um, having these first person, this kind of voice, we want people to feel like they, that this is their platform, like this is their space. And this has felt like their space for a really long time. And we want to continue to build on that. And, add more diverse voices to our brand um, with our freelance writers, with the people that we hire. Um, there's just a lot of exciting things that we have coming along the way for Hemescla. Um, but it's really going to to remain the North Star that it is. Um, I just like to say that I'm turning up the volume a lot. <laughs> That's amazing. I love it. Yes, hire all the hire all the Latina people and especially the women. I love it. Yeah. Um, Um, I I really do think, you you know, having a diversity of voices, telling stories, as well as sort of finding the the people who are making an impact at the moment, I think is is so powerful um, because so many people are doing such amazing work and and don't have a place where they can be seen. Um, So it's so exciting that you all are doing that work. Um, and that by you giving them a platform, others will see it because you all are, are first movers in the media space. So it definitely makes sense. I don't feel inspired too. Because I, you know what, I, I've, I've stressed this before in, when I speak to folks is that the media industry has made Latina people feel like we're, you know, there's this, always this wonderkin and this one person makes it and it's like so unattainable. And we want to show people that, you know, whatever industry you're in, no matter, you know, whether it's the music industry, arts, uh, the other day we featured a chef who does a lot of social activism, um, that you can make it. It's not this unattainable thing because the media will always just give the mic to a Latino maybe during Hispanic Heritage Month or once in the year, or the blue moon, and they, they try to kind of uh, capitalize on these feel-good moments. Like, look at this one Latino who made it and won the scholarship. And it's just like this, it makes it feel very unattainable. And for us, we want to show people emerging artists and creatives and just people across different industries to show them that, like, this can be you too. 
this isn't, you're not, you shouldn't feel like whatever this is, is unattainable and you can't get there. You know, anyone can get there. All of us can get there. You know, for us, we wanted to feel like, oh, she did that. I can do that too. Oh, she left her job to become this. I can do that too. Oh, she's singing about, you know, the indigenous, uh, you know, indigenous communities in the rainforest and actually making out a career out of it. I want to do that too. So it's just like, we want to show people that no matter what your wildest dreams are or whatever industry you want to make it in, highlighting these emerging artists so that it's not just the bad bunnies of the world and the, you know, the one panelist that you see over and over again, that you can actually do great things as well and and succeed in in whatever field you're in. That's an amazing way to end that conversation because yes, (laughs) I think we need to see more, uh, more and more uh, because there's so many people doing such amazing work in the community. Um, and we, you know, we love our stars, but we also think that there's space for so many more. Um, and I think that's amazing. Yeah. So thank you. That's all the time we have today. Tatiana, thank you for coming on the show and sharing your expertise and insight with us. And to our listeners, thank you for listening to the Trustcast and Edelman podcast. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Trustcast. The Trustcast is produced by Tara Zafar and Shireen Pathak. Don't forget to follow Edelman PR on Twitter and visit us on edelman.com. Thanks so much and have a great day.